Welcome to Shtetl on the Shortwave. Today uh, we're asking, is it possible to be friends with your neighbors? Layla Marshy and Mindy Pollack certainly think so. And they're two very, very different women. Layla Marshy is the editor of a magazine here in Montreal, Rover Magazine. She's a feminist, a secularist. She's of Palestinian descent. And Mindy Pollack is a Hasidic woman, the first one ever running for political office here in Montreal. She's running on November 3rd with Projet Montréal, which is pretty amazing. She's an esthetician. She's 24 years old. And both of them live on Hutchison, and they found a reason to become friends, and they're going to try to help other people in the neighborhood do the same uh, through their group, Friends of Hutchison. So stay tuned and find out more uh, from our conversation with Leila Marshy and Mindy Pollack. on the shortwave on this lovely Friday afternoon and my name is Tamara Kramer I'm your host and I thought that was a fun song to play I believe by the real Tuesday Weld uh, they believe that you can believe in whatever you want as long as you believe in love very idealistic but I believe it's true and I think it's a good song to play considering uh, all that's happening in our world today I just uh, spent one month in Berlin getting interviews and meeting people for some special editions of Shtetl coming out this winter. I was there with my favorite radio producers, Lainey Bassman and Nathan Bassman. Lainey is an amazing lawyer. She's great 
at uh, doing interviews, at editing. She's hysterical. And we had a really um, challenging, fun time trying to figure out what is the Jewish arts and culture scene, what's happening there in Berlin. Nathan is the executive producer of Shtetl on a Shortwave. He just turned one years old, and he was with us all along the whole trip. And he conducted some pretty serious interviews, and I, I think you're going to be pretty amazed when you see what he's done. 11 months old while we were there, and uh, he was really working at doing the whole shtetl thing. But what was amazing was while we were there, uh, there was something happening in the city. 2013 in Berlin was entirely dedicated to the theme of diversity destroyed. And so much of uh, the public space in the city was given over to this exhibit and to events around this theme of diversity destroyed because it's the 80th anniversary of of Hitler's ascension to power um, in 1933 and also the anniversary of Kristallnacht when there were pogroms in Berlin and book burnings. So they dedicated the whole year to looking at what happened to destroy all the diversity in the city, whether it be intellectuals, Jews, gays, Roma, gypsies, people with handicaps, non-Jews who were helping people uh, or who were married to Jews, they they had given over a whole lot of um, their city space to this theme. And it was um, really impressive for us to see this and inspiring, but also a bit strange to be hearing all this while at home we were listening to news about the Charter of Secular Values here in Quebec, which is proposing to put a ban on religious symbols in public space. So, and, and that's an ongoing debate that's happening right now. And it was it was a bit of a contrast. So before before I went away to Berlin, I was very lucky to get invited over to Leila Marshi's house on Hutchison, where I did an interview with her and Mindy Pollack. And I think that it's the perfect, perfect interview to be airing today in light of what I was just talking talking about. Uh, Leila and uh, Mindy both live in, in my land in Outremont, a neighborhood where there are uh, there's a significant Hasidic community. And there have been a lot of tensions between the Hasidic community and the rest of their neighbors. So Leila and Mindy, who are two as I mentioned earlier, very different women, they found a way to become more than just neighbors, but also friends. And um, they started a group called the Friends of Hutchison. I'm going to let them tell you more about that. And so stay tuned. We had a, a nice, intimate conversation. You might be hearing these days interviews with Mindy Pollack on mainstream media because she is running for public office uh, for Projet Montréal on November 3rd. But I think that the interview that you're going to hear today is a little bit different, um, a little bit of a different perspective on her and and on some of the other work that she does. So this is Mindy Pollack and Leila Marshi. My name is Leila Marshi. I'm a resident of uh, Hutchison Street and I co-founded uh, Friends of Hutchison in 2011 in the aftermath, well not even in the aftermath, leading up to a referendum against a synagogue on my street. And that's how I met Mindy. Um, I'm Mindy Pollack. I am a co-founder of Friends of Hutchison and um, I've been sitting on the inter-communitary committee from Outremont for about a year and a half now and I'm a candidate for Projet Montréal 
in the upcoming elections. So how did the Friends of Hutchison get started? What was the impetus for the group? Well, I was just, you know, um, a lowly resident of the street, <laughs> paying absolutely no attention to what was going on, except every now and then, very regularly, we'd get petitions, people with petitions at the door, or flyers, very badly formatted, sort of immature-looking, fanatic kind of feeling flyers about problems about the illegal activities of the Hasidim and I would just look at them and go oh another flyer and put it in in the garbage or the recycling then one day I was sitting on my balcony and there was some flurry about a petition that I wasn't paying attention to and I noticed one of the gang going door to door and knocking on every door and I would see her talking and I saw her like three or four times in a row like bypassing the Jewish door and at first I thought, oh, I guess nobody's home. But once I realized what she was doing, I have to say my blood boiled. Why was she passing the Jewish doors? Because she had no interest in speaking with the Jewish community. What was she speaking? What was she going door to door about? <laughs> she was, it turns out, she was Outremont City Councilor Céline Forger. And she had this petition and she wanted people to vote against the renovation project of a synagogue on the east side of Hutchison, which is actually Ville de Montréal, as opposed to the west side, which is Outremont. So she was, they were gathering steam for people to vote against this um, uh, renovation. The synagogue is decrepit. It's really old. It needs renovation. And the problem, or the, it was the loophole that they were able to jump into is that because it's grandfather clause, it's commercial or whatever, religious property on a residential street, but it dates prior to zoning, it has protection. But as soon as it does any kind of expansion, the citizens are allowed to apply for a referendum to vote whether or not they want it to expand. And this is to prevent five-story, ten-story condo towers growing up, going, growing up n'importe où, right? It's to stop this kind of weird proliferation. It's not really to stop a building from expanding 200 square feet into Or putting its a alley. bathroom on the main floor. They know. wanted to put a bathroom at the entrance and then extend the main room back so it's not but it's a loophole so they were allowed to ask for a referendum but it should be noted that it was approved by the council yeah the the building got a permit they got a permit to renovate and then they blocked it so clearly in this whole lead up they weren't talking with there was no dialogue with the jewish community so to me that felt really divisive and really um um punitive you know, and it was it was not about everybody trying to live together and compromise. It was about let's finally punish the Jewish community because we're sick and tired of them. So that's what I saw. And then that night I wrote up a flyer, <laughs> and um, I had that week gotten a postcard from the synagogue saying there's an open house that I couldn't attend, but there was an email. So I emailed Mayor Feig and I said. Mr. Fake, I'm your neighbor. You don't know me, but I just don't think it's right. And 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 I sent him a copy, a PDF of the flyer. I'm good at graphic design and writing, so I mean, I just did it in a few hours. So he was like, "Oh, that's that's amazing. Can I visit you?" So in a day or two, two Hasidic men knocked on my door and came and sat in my living room couch. And you know, I was as like blown over and freaked out as anybody would be who's not Hasidic to have these Hasidic men come in your house and socialize. I didn't know that could happen and then that day or the next day you know I was going door to door with my flyer my flyer was basically 
us versus them is the old way. Tout ensemble, it's the new way. Like we need to rethink these ridiculous conflicts was my attitude. Then the Polacks got in touch with me and because I had left a flyer there and Mrs. Polak called and was like, who are you? What are you doing? This is amazing. Come and visit me. So I went and visited her and that, that's how it started. And together we formed Friends of Hutchison. So listening to uh, listening to Leila Marchi talk about, uh, describe how Céline Forget would go from door to door um, kind of reminded me of the Passover story. Like how did Forget know who was Jewish or not so that she would avoid their doors. Maybe she has really good Judar or... And then I realized probably she would look and see if there were scooters or if obviously if there was somebody sitting outside on the porch talking with a kid with side curls, that's obvious. But if there weren't those signs, how would she know? And then, of course, it's the mezuzah, that thing that you put up on the side of your door to um, to protect your home. And it's a, like a fail-safe way of finding out whether there's a Hasidic family, if not a Jewish family, living there. And I thought it would be a really fun artistic intervention for somebody in, you know, some Myland or Outremont artist to encourage everyone in the whole entire community to put mezuzahs on their door. And then Céline Forget or Pierre Lacert, who is uh, campaigning uh, against Mindy Pollack in the upcoming election and also avoids doors that he thinks have Hasidim behind them, they would never know which doors to avoid or not because they would all have the mezuzahs on them. Just an idea if there's a, a, an artist out there looking for some weird project to do in the neighborhood. Anyway, stay tuned for more of my conversation with Leila Marshi and Mindy Pollack when uh, we talk about some of the misconceptions uh, that Hasidim and non-Jews seem to have about one another uh, when we're back on Shtetl on the shortwave in a couple of minutes.
Hi, we're back on Stadel on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. And uh, today we're talking with Mindy Pollack and Layla Marshy, friends and the co-founders of the Friends of Hutchison. And uh, I asked Mindy and Layla if they would talk to us a little bit about some of the misconceptions that people in the Hasidic community have about non-Hasidim and the other way around. Okay, so there are a lot of misconceptions about the Hasidic community. What do you feel are some of the major ones? Uh, That would be a very, very long list that um, would take a few days to talk about. But uh, briefly, the misconception that we hear the most often is that they don't know if they can approach us or if we can talk to them or how does that work. Other misconceptions, oh my goodness, there are so many. From my point yeah, of view, I guess yeah. I address that. It's funny because when I moved to um, Hutchison, I was equal parts really proud of my society that there's this insular society that can flourish within it. I thought, wow, isn't that isn't that great that we could find ourselves amongst this really insular society and it all works, you know? I, I, and I thought, that's amazing. I was really like, wow, Canada's really great, right? And on the other hand, sometimes I get really frustrated because there there was a kind of two solitudes. You know, you don't you don't know how much leeway you have to interact with the Hasidim. You don't see a lot of enthusiasm on their part to interact, and so you can feel uncomfortable and and unsure of you know for people who are who care how their actions impact other people. Sometimes you're just so full of insecurity or doubt like oh am I allowed to talk to this person oh can I do this and I it it didn't really annoy me but it just it I did feel the sort of inhibitions it creates a certain a certain you know respect slash inhibition and like an awkward place an awkward sort of zone which doesn't bother me I'd rather it be an awkward zone than have my land this area of my land which might be how it was 20 years ago which was full of crack houses you know, and, and, and gangs. I mean, the Hasidim moved this way, moved outward, and, I mean, Park Avenue above St. Saint, Saint Vader and Bernard was like wall-to-wall crack houses, and there was a lot of violence, and there was fires, and there was carjackings, and, and they took the neighborhood in a very different direction. So I appreciate that. I don't mind being personally awkward. But that's so funny, because I never thought about it like that. Mm. I, I, it's not... It's not something that we like, you know, put into place actively or, or, or something that we set out to do. I don't I don't know if it's if it's on both sides or because I've never felt like an awkwardness or anything. I mean, you know, whoever wanted to talk to me could talk to me. I would, you know, talk back. It's not there just has to be the first contact. You know, my mother always brought us up, my parents brought us up to be very friendly and polite with the neighbors and you know, that was just the kind of way that we lived. Yesterday when we spoke, you had mentioned, I asked you if you spoke French, and you said, well, why would you think I don't speak French? So <laughs> That's that, a popular misconception. <laughs> so that, that would be an example, right, of a misconception, yes. that all the Hasidim don't speak French? Yeah, exactly, that we don't learn it in schools, yeah, which is really funny because, you know, Bill 101, and it's the law, and this is what people fought for here. So, yeah, of course we speak French. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was kind of thinking, that there are all these ideas that, that non-Hasidim have about the Hasidic community, mm-hmm. and I assume that that was some of the stuff that you're trying to combat with the Friends of Hutchison? Right. Yeah, I mean, our goal really, my, well, my personal goal, and I think this is, I, I think I share it now with quite a few people, is not, 
It's just, to, it's to find that common ground. Yes. And if it's a tiny little line where we come together and communicate, or if it's a huge zone where we have all sorts of things that we can share, to me, either one is fine. Yes, we have to focus on what we have in common instead yeah. of what separates us. Because we have so many things in common. There are things that, you know, we should we should all be on the same page about, you know, security of our children, um, taking care of our neighborhood. Price you of know. food. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it just doesn't end. And if we focus on that and, 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 and work together, I mean, what separates us just falls away. Like, I had somebody rail at me once saying, oh, the Hasidim don't even have television. They don't watch our culture. They don't know what's going on. And I was like, well, I don't have a television. <laughs> you know, I hope there's Which was space. very surprising to me, actually, because I thought every non-Jew has a television. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we all, like, I've been in a few Hasidic houses now, quite a few. And, and like, but at the beginning, I was like, oh, it just, it just felt like, oh, right, normal life for a humanoid you know like exactly so different right they have exactly. bathrooms they have kitchens they have <laughs> dishwashers they have kids running around they have bedrooms i mean they have grocery bags on the counter they have laundry baskets i mean tell me what is different they choose to pray i have a ton of friends who are now buddhists who consider themselves really? buddhists oh yeah and so you know yeah, is that more fanatic? Maybe it is. <laughs> you know, all this sort of nouveau Buddhism. <laughs> you know, what? where does that come from? It's not even rooted in it in any personal culture. It's an it's an acquired. And anyway, I'm not I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, who are we to judge extremism or fanaticism? You know, I have never. I know ever when felt we can judge. judged by the Hasidim, no. which I really appreciate ever. And I'm like, I'm a really. I come from left field. For the Hasidic community on every level, yeah, I flout right. the convention. So, okay. anyway, so you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, unconventional, <laughs> without getting into detail, and like, uh, there's a, there's a, there's an unwillingness to judge, if I can generalize on the Hasidic part that I appreciate. I lived in the Middle East for a long time, and um, you know, I have a familiarity living around religious communities. And um, this unwillingness to judge is really precious. Hmm. You don't feel it everywhere. Hmm. Just leave it at that. <sighs> but um, yeah. So I, I mean, I really understand your philosophy of wanting to focus on the similarities and creating dialogue. And but personally, I find it helpful, or, or in some ways, to to bring up the. Uh, the stereotypes or the misconceptions, even like you saying, I thought all non-Jews had TVs. So clearly each community has ideas about each other and I think it's interesting. It's interesting to bring those out and talk about them and not feel like it's such a negative thing. And those are the things that I'm curious about, like for example in the Hasidic community, what are some of the misconceptions that you have about the rest of your neighbors that you're living with? Oh, interesting. Um, that's the part that we don't often get to talk about because I think the people, um, or at least how should I put this? Okay, as an example, let's say, if my mom has, you know, she finds graffiti on the back fence, you know, we'll grumble about it, and then we'll move on. We don't call the police, we don't, like, try to make an investigation and find out who did it and how can we get rid of it or whatever. And um, things like that, my mom just, she she just, you know, it's, it's a live and let live attitude. We don't make a fuss about things like that. If there's, you know, in the park in the back of our house, we used to have um, 
you know, young people uh, smoking drugs and drinking and partying. And my mom, it would drive her nuts because it's right in the back of her house and it's noisy and it's, you know, you're a little scared, right? But, you know, I mean, it's it's a live, live and let live attitude. You know, you're not going to make a whole federal case about it, which is something that I think my community is, is, is a philosophy that, that we sort of live by, you know, live and let live. And... On the other side, I feel like it's much more of a let's take one little thing and blow it up, you know? So, Like what do you mean, for example? Like um, the fact that, you know, people feel that we don't speak to them or that we don't make eye contact or that the kids don't play together or that they can't come to their house and eat or something like that. And some people are seriously, seriously upset about this. Not that I don't understand them and that everybody's entitled to their opinion and... And, and you know feelings about a certain issue but I feel like such things are not what our you know lives should be based on or, 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 or circle around and you know misconceptions so that's why we don't often get to the misconceptions on the other side because we're so busy just being attacked or, or, or questioned about misconceptions from the other side so um, let's see what misconceptions do we have well, a very basic one that I think is a little outdated now, but um, is that non-Jewish people just don't like us. Period. And, you know, that can stem from back in, in, in Germany or, you know, before the war, the war itself, you know, post-traumatic uh, um, experiences. So, you know, there was, there's, there was that feeling. But once you bridge that... I mean, once you get past that and actually start talking to people and you realize, oh, it might not be the case, which is something I found in the last uh, two years. Um, then there's misconceptions that, um, uh, let's see, what else? This could be really fun, except <laughs> that I can't, you know, think of any right now. Um, well, you know, just stuff like, you know, yeah, everyone has a TV, everyone parties and drinks and goes to bars and, um, you know, everybody goes to university or, or stuff oh, like yeah? that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting one. Everybody goes to university. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, our lives take a certain path and I always thought that non-Jews paths take a certain path too, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, yeah. Okay. Do you see Jews who are not Hasidim? When you say non-Jews, do you see Jews who are not Hasidic in the same category as as the non-Jews? That's so funny. You know, I never I never thought about that and I never put them in that category, no, because I um, wasn't very aware of how many were around me <laughs> before. So no, I don't I don't lump them together. So that was a misconception that all your neighbors were not Jewish. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. There if, we go. I guess if, if, if you're not uh... There's one demystified. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're learning a lot about all the neighbors from all the campaigning that you're yes, doing. Yes, yes, which is really fun. I mean, I get to meet so many interesting people.
It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, this is Rabbi Gershom Sizomu, the spiritual leader of the Abadaya congregation in Uganda. You are here live on Stato on the short web. Welcome back to Shtetl on the Shortwave. And um, I just, I couldn't help playing that Mr. Rogers clip. I really actually wanted to play Eddie Murphy imitating Mr. Rogers from Saturday Night Live when he does Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood and um, talks about living in a crack neighborhood. But then I thought, what if Mindy Pollack or any of her supporters or friends or listens to this show and I thought, hey, maybe I, I shouldn't play that. And uh, instead... I got to play the Mr. Rogers, the real the real theme song, which I think is pretty funny and goes perfectly with this show. So I spoke with um, with Mindy and Layla a little bit about the friends of Hutchison who meet once a month. And I asked them, like, what are their meetings like and, and what do people talk about? And here's what they had to say. Everyone is welcome. Um, the conversations are They're great. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually. There's a real sense of we're all in this together. There's a sense of, you know, friendship and 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 working together and wanting the same things and sharing experiences. And, and people are excited yes. to be there, which is a great energy Love to sort of sit in. So you have the people who aren't Hasidic, who are like, oh my God, I'm sitting around a table with Hasid and this never happened in my entire life. And they'll ask really basic questions. Is it okay if I say hello to your husband or to you? Like, there's just, and so they're excited. And then the Hasidic are like, oh, isn't this strange and fun? And, and I have a complaint too. <laughs> You know, like it gives them voice too because they're often on the defensive, yes. right? They have to prove they're friendly. They have to prove this. They have to prove that. So, I mean, you know, to just say like pick up after your dogs can sometimes be a very empowering thing for a Hasidic person to say, hey, you know, you might not like that we we drive vans and I hear ad nauseum people complaining, but you're not picking up after your dog. I'm just making up that exchange. No, but actually, it's it, a totally it plausible. Yeah. Oh, my mom used to complain about I know, that that's a lot. I know, that's what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, dogs. 
That's definitely an issue in the neighborhood. Dogs. Oh, really? So many. For sure. Well, there. I mean, there's all these things that you're mentioning. There's. I, I have uh, neighbors who have dogs, and they're like, when I walk on the street, the Hasidim will literally cross the street mm-hmm. to get away from my dog, and they don't know why. I know, but, but you, you see, know, it's some, that's, that's something like we this. can act yeah. on. That. Like we keep like people contact Mindy and say, you know, I have a trouble with my neighbor. Mindy's like, okay, let's. Why don't we meet tomorrow? And, we'll, and like Mindy's done that a few times. Maybe I thought of this the other day. What if we had a kind of dog park day, and people bring their friendly, well-socialized dogs, we invite the Hasidim, and there will be a whole bunch who will come with their little kids, and they could just be around the dogs. <laughs> Familiarize them. Familiarize. And I, there were, there, because I've heard, I heard, especially one Hasidic man um, who said, I don't like it that my kids are afraid of dogs. Yes. I wish, it was so, yes. it's terrible. Yeah. I wish... The kids felt as oh, really? easy around dogs. Oh, I don't. <laughs> as as I do. That would we've, be a great yeah. service. And we've had such a story. Like so, some sometimes these things just happen organically. Like mm-hmm. you know, we have somebody living on on the street in Utrema, and she said that she has a few cats. And you know, the kids um, living downstairs from her, the Hasidic kids, are you know they're they're always curious, but they're not really sure. So she always you know picks it up and brings it over and says, "Do you want to touch the cat? Here's how you know you pet them." And then they're like thrilled with the mm-hmm. experience. So yeah, you know it it, it happens.
All right, we're back on Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT, 90.3 FM in Montreal. That's Anita Ward, Ring My Bell, perfect song for today's show. And uh, this Sunday, some Montrealers are going to be taking to the street to participate in ongoing protests against Pauline Marois' proposal to enshrine what she sees as the secular values of Quebec into law. So basically forbidding public servants from wearing any outer symbols of their religious observance, like veils, kippas, turbans. So for those interested in participating, the protest will start at 1 p.m. this Sunday on the corner of Demizanov and Guy. And I asked Mindy Pollack, a Hasidic woman running for public office, what she thinks about the secular charter of values. Well, I don't know what Pauline Marois would think of me, <laughs> but, you know, um, the charter, I think it speaks for itself. I don't know if there's much more to say to that than than that, you know. Layla? I don't know. What can you say about a society that's threatened by multiculturalism? It's, to me, you know, I'm 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 a child of Trudeau father, right? I mean, I'm a child of the 70s and to me multiculturalism and I'm from a multicultural background. So, multiculturalism to me is is um, the gold mine of Canada. I mean, that's who we are. And I'm increasingly finding myself living in a province that is so uncomfortable with that concept that they're willing to draw these huge lines in the sand and and once again make it us versus them. I'm extremely uncomfortable. I mean, I think the charter itself won't go very far, the Charte de Vela, but I think what she's done is she keeps, they keep opening up these basement trap doors and allowing a certain attitude, giving it space to move around, giving it air. You know, there's a lot of xenophobia, a lot of bigotry that's come out in the open now, and these people are now feeling justified, and I think that's not right. I think once you start airing the baser self, you know, and and letting it move around undisciplined, unfettered, you could run into trouble one day. So I I just feel like... there was Sorry, there was a mosque that was desecrated recently in some... In Gatineau or Trois Rivières? No, I thought it was a Lac Mégantic. No, I don't know. But this, this, the citizens came out to defend the mosque afterwards, which is great because I think the average person understands. But the I believe it, this is always trickled down. You have a government in power that allows itself to be bigoted and xenophobic, and it lets out the like it's the same thing. That's what's going on in Russia. Putin is not going around beating up gays, but what he's done is allowed. A seam of violence to thrive. And what so. I feel, you know, has to be pointed out is that there are so many more important issues in Quebec that the Quebec government could be busy with. You know, the economy for one, and healthcare. I mean, how how, how do you justify spending so much time and energy money. and money on something like this? That will not further will not, it, it's not going to it's not going to be beneficial to, to Quebecers. And there are so many other things that we could be busy with. Which is something that I feel it's not just on even on, on, on the provincial level, it's on the borough level also. This has been the attitude here in Utrecht yeah. for, for the past, you know, 
10-15 years, you know? Let's be busy with little nitty-gritty details about how many axles on a bus for Purim. And, you know... Measuring, um, measuring decibels in front yes. of the synagogue. <laughs> and, and should we allow processions that, you know, might be a little noisy for an hour or two? Mm-hmm. Or how many days should we let a sukkah be up for? Just stuff like that. I mean, there are so many other things that they could be busy with, you know? Let's look at the big picture and 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 talk about it, real issues. Bernard Adamus, vous écoutez Shtetl on the Shortwave, live on CKUT 90.3 FM. Cześć, tutaj Bernard Adamus, słuchacie Shtetl on the Shortwave na CKUT 90.3 FM. Hey, 
Right, we're back on Stadel on the Shortwave. That was uh, Station ID by Bernard Adamus, one of my favorite Quebecois musicians these days. And before we heard Leslie Gore, You Don't Own Me, I definitely think some Montreal band should do a Yiddish cover of that, maybe uh, Orchestra Criminal. Can they do that? I, it would be great. I love that song. So anyways, I proceeded to ask Mindy who her role models are for for what she's doing and she said that it was hard to think of someone because she's never known anyone else who's done what she's doing seeing as she's the first Hasidic woman apparently ever to run for public office but she said that her parents and the way they live their lives is an inspiration for her and so my alternate my alternate question for Mindy in case she didn't have an answer, was who's your favorite biblical character? And the conversation that followed from that was a little awkward, unexpected, and an example of how people from two very different backgrounds can manage to be friends. And hopefully um, this won't get Mindy into any uh, any hot water. I, I'm, I have no idea if uh, the whole Hasidic community tunes into Shtetl on the shortwave. I don't think so. But nonetheless, uh, this this was her answer. It's just I've never thought of it like that. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite character, but um, I, I don't know all of them. You know, um, the 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 Amuhis for sure. The mothers of, of you know Sarah and and Rivka and and, and Rachel for sure. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I have to think about that one. Hmm. What about you, Lila? I read in an article that you're a secularist and a feminist, and so I thought <laughs> you would also be a good person to ask about your favorite biblical character. Well, that's so great, because I was going to say, can I answer the biblical Ooh, question? Go ahead. I mean, I was brought up uh, not really... We went to church. My father was Palestinian Christian. My mother is from Newfoundland. Neither of them very croyant, you know, religious. But mm-hmm. um, I have to say, and I never get a chance to say this because it's always very awkward saying this in our postmodern, Western, secular, you know, world, is, is I take a lot of cues from Jesus. <laughs> I really do. Um and Mindy and I have been talking about the Bible and Jesus because I didn't realize what the Hasidim think of Jesus. I always thought Jesus was like kind of unassailable. <laughs> but because to me... He... <laughs> so, so, well, Jesus, Jesus to me, was somebody terrible. was a regular guy who, who um, needed to preach and, and create uh, just forget the movement that followed him I don't think he had much to do with it and I'm not a movement or religious person in that sense but I believe in the golden rule which is do unto others as you would have others do unto you and mm-hmm. love your neighbor and be good to people and you help a, you know every, every, I am everybody you know, well, he was Jewish, person. so you know those concepts there are you go. quite Jewish. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think they're important concepts. Of course. And, and I actually think about them. And I think about this poor guy walking around attracting other poor people to him and, and, and fighting against sort of the, the structures, the institution, the, the, the constrictions of the day. You know what's funny? Like talking about uh, closed-mindedness. On my part, I just assumed when I was asking about the Bible, I was talking about the First Testament. The Old Testament to me. No, but obviously when you say the Bible, it's the whole kit and caboodle. I didn't even think of Jesus. That's so funny, yeah. Well, I'll tell you something else about the Bible. I I actually read the Old Testament on my summer vacation about 10 years ago. I was like, I have to read this. And I was shocked. 
completely shocked at how violent it was. I thought, this is the most violent book I've ever read in my really? life. Really? Oh, yeah. It gave me the shivers every now and then. It was horribly violent. There's smiting and smoting and <laughs> casting out and raping and... That's and, so funny. Oh, I've never thought a, of it like that. Oh, to me, it's, it's a beautiful Really? Story. I was actually... It took me somewhere. I was like, oh, my God. This is really tough. This is like a... And and the well, Old Testament of God was like days. jealous and angry and people. Really? Oh yeah. I don't people... think we, we're talking about the same Old Testament. <laughs> I think we are. I think so because I, I mean I don't think that the Old Testament is necessarily telling us how we're supposed to live. Mm. It's a text to talk about how we maybe should or shouldn't live. And sure, and there's still good things, and, and the you know the struggle. We don't have to talk the... about this. Right? <laughs> Mindy and I will talk about it one day. We shall talk about we it. We have great conversations. <laughs> yep. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, well, my next question is, from the outside, you seem like two extremely different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, the ways that you describe yourselves or the communities that you're part of, what are some of the challenges of your friendship, and what are some of the things you've learned from each other from being friends? I don't think it's any, it's, it's any different than any other friendship, to be honest with you. You know, we're just friends. That's all. Who you know share a common goal, but I I, I want to say something about Mindy. She's twenty four, and there's something so like I think it speaks well of the community. To me, to me, what it does is it speaks so well of the Hasidic community that this twenty four year old can conduct herself with such personal authority. I mean, and I mean authority in the best possible sense. Poise, personal poise and can appear to be so well in her skin and so so um, uh, buoyed. Like, Mindy stands on the shoulders of her community. Like, you know, like Mindy is clearly... Like, you can see behind pe- people when they're very well supported by family and, and then there's like a strength, an inner, inner, inner strength. And I see that in Mindy all the time. Would you say that your family is a typical family in the Utremont? To be very honest with you, I do not use that word anymore because nobody is typical. We are all unique and we are all different. So uh, we're back on Shtetl and uh, I I guess what I thought was awkward a little bit was uh, talking about Jesus because I think that's a bit of a touchy subject and it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, how they're able to to talk about different things and 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 still manage to to get along. And after we stopped the interview, um, we started talking about a biblical story, uh, uh, one particular story. And there was a genuine disagreement about whether this particular story really happened or not. Uh, it was the type of story that you you might question whether it was just a myth or a fairy tale, but there, it was debated. Did this story really happen or not? And that's when we got into what I think was the most interesting part of our interview. Um, Layla and Mindy really model for us here how people can have extremely different beliefs, knowledge bases, histories, perceptions, and talk about issues with a sense of learning, genuine debate, humor, and an unwavering sense of respect. And I only wish that I could talk about things with people the way that they seem to be able to talk with each other. So uh, take a listen. Why don't you talk about controversial things? Because we disagree, and we know we disagree, and we respect our disagreements. Dif- yes, I mean, I, like, We agree to disagree, and that's all. Israel it's not, <laughs> could be yeah. a real flashpoint for us. Of course. And I've had discussions, you know, people will say things about Israel, and I just don't say anything. 
We once spoke about it, and like a couple of of, of sentences in, Lila was like, "Let's just not talk about this," because we, she has such different opinions on yeah. things about I'm you know. Very strong. Oh, opinions. another thing we disagree on. Yeah. Harper. Oh yeah, Harper. Harper. No, my my goal. I is love to... him. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Well, his views on Israel and his support of the Jews and. Just certain things he oh, said he'd about. Oh, throw you under the bus as soon as he throw anybody okay, else. Okay, all right, no problem. There's, but there's he's no sincere. How long has he been support. prime minister? Long enough. Okay, and he still thinks the same way. So <sighs> he doesn't think. He's only doing what's expedient in the okay. moment. Okay, but anyway, but his his some of his remarks on 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 Israel and supporting the Jews and looking at history and who hasn't been kind to the Jews, you know what what it's been like. To me, that that's amazing. Well, you don't so. need him. I guess not, but it's nice of a leader to say that. Uh, he's hardly a leader. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of conversation we have, and then we move yeah. on to other Very things. Fine. So, politics that are divisive, the Bible perhaps, and whether it's true or not, those would be topics that you might steer clear of, just for the sake of like working on other things that you do have in common. Yeah, for the sake of it, but also, I mean, I profoundly respect that she believes certain things I mean I can the fact that I don't share the beliefs doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we need to debate it something like the Bible I don't ever want to get in in a discussion with somebody about the Bible unless I feel that they are proselytizing and using the Bible for bigotry I never feel that like you know I've I've met evangelical Christians for example that just want to you know uh, bury you as, as 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 they're talking to you so that's a different experience but for something like Israel I mean I think you know I have really strong opinions and I've been there and, and but at the same time I also recognize it's a very complex issue extremely oh. complex and we come yeah. at it from two different places mm-hmm. Mindy is a European Jew you know and that has a particular I mean, I was born here but yes <laughs> but that's your history and my yes. history is rooted in the Middle East. Yes. So very different. Yeah. You know, and, and far be it for me to denigrate or to kind of parse a kind of post war trauma. But I, you know, I have my opinions about where yeah. where and, what and, that trauma justifies. <laughs> and to bring it back to Quebec, there's you know, there's there's a lot of Quebecers that feel that, you know, they need to protect their their culture and their heritage and and and, and you know, the whole past of it. And I respect that enormously, you know? That's something that my community tries to do is, is, is you know, preserve our, our, our culture and our heritage. And I think that's, a, that's a, a, an interesting parallel be- between the two communities. It's not something that should, that should, that should um, separate us. So two very, very well-spoken women who um, I think really do model... Like, I found that a bit uncomfortable because... I guess I'd, I don't uh, I don't love Stephen Harper. Uh, I mean, this is not a political show where I air my political beliefs or anything, but just still, like I I find that in my my circles to talk about something like that is it's very challenging, and, and especially if people disagree with you um, to talk about the Bible or Israel or these are not easy subjects. And the way they talked about it, it was just ah, I was I was it was just so. It just seems so easy and so loving, and I, I really respect I respect it a lot. So I'm going to uh, go out with a song that I'm dedicating to Leila Marshi and Mindy Pollack, who is now 
running for public office in Outremont on November 3rd with Projet Montréal, the first Hasidic woman ever to do that. And uh, you can find out more about the work that they're doing in the neighborhood um, at their Facebook group, Friends of Hutchison. And they have meetings that are open to anybody who's interested in uh, meeting their neighbor. So you can check that out. And uh, I think it's a very worthwhile project. And they're planning a lot of different things this coming year, gardening projects and different grassroots ways for uh, people in the neighborhood to just get to know each other a little bit and, and get to understand each other better. So that takes us to the end of Shtetl on the Shortwave. And this is a song by Girls in Trouble, uh, who uh, do all kinds of... Um, interpretations of the bible of women in the bible pop rock interpretations and this song is called rubies like a merchant ship strong and wide golden oranges deep inside more than I'm 
Er hat sich Städtel auf den Shortwave auf CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. Thank you. 